Welcome to The Point Podcast. At The Point, we point high school students to Jesus because we believe that Jesus is better than anything else that this world has to offer. We hope that this podcast is an encouragement to you in your walk with Christ, but that it does not replace the time you're already spending with the Lord. Thanks so much for listening, and here's our awesome high school youth pastor, my husband, Justin Kinley. So last night we were in Esther chapter 6 for a week 5 of our walk through Esther. And, and if you just remember, just kind of two big things we're really looking at is we're calling this uh, series kind of the tagline, I guess you could say, is the loudest silence that you've ever heard. Because one thing you see when you go through the book of Esther, um, or I guess you could say one thing you don't see is you never see the name of God. You just don't see it. From Esther chapter 1 to Esther chapter 10, you do not see God's name. Um, and, and so kind of the point of that is the author is saying that that it doesn't seem like God is active, but when you get to the end of the story, his works are impossible to ignore. Um, so it's, that's kind of what we're talking about. And the big thing that we've kind of been, um, I guess, living in the tension of is between coincidence and providence. Mm-hmm. Coincidence being is this stuff just happening because it's random and then it happens to work out in favor of Esther and it happens to work out in favor of Mordecai. So that would just be coincidence. Or is it really the providence of God? Is it that God is orchestrating this and God is allowing certain things and not allowing certain things and making things happen? Um, in order to accomplish his purposes and deliver his people. So, so that's kind of the two, I guess, uh, things we've been really holding on to throughout this entire book. And last night, last night's chapter is such a great example of all these things coming into play. But because I asked a question last night and our students that were there, if you are there, maybe you're listening just to remind yourself or maybe you weren't there and you're listening to catch in. But I, I was so proud of y'all last night because I asked the question just it, 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 so, so far in the book of Esther, has everything been going kind of in Esther's favor or has it been going in Haman's favor? Has it been going good for the Jewish people or has it been going bad for the Jewish people? And unanimously, everyone said bad. And you're exactly right. I mean, everything in this story, apart from Esther becoming queen in Esther chapter 2, like apart from that good moment, everything's really kind of been going south. I mean, Haman, their enemy, is promoted to second in the kingdom. He, he passes the edict that on the 13th day of the 12th month, the Jewish people are going to be annihilated and destroyed. Um, I mean, it's it's all going bad and it's going south. Where last night, though, in Esther chapter 6, you really see the story flip. The story completely flips, and so I hope you just read Esther 6, but just to give you a recap of it, and then I'll give I'll tell you what we talked about last night, kind of our big takeaway. But the recap is basically this. The Bible starts off, and it says, on that night. And that night's a big deal because when Esther chapter 5 ends, it ends during a night where Haman decides the next morning he's going to go ask the king if he can hang Mordecai. So as the sun is setting, Haman's wife tells him, the next morning, you need to go ask the king if you can hang Mordecai. And so on that night, the Bible says in Esther chapter 6 that the king can't sleep. He just can't sleep. And so he could have called all these things in uh, to entertain him, to help put him to sleep. But but instead of doing that, he asked for the historical record of the kingdoms to be read to him. And, and as they open up the historical records and they read, they just happen to come across the time when Mordecai, all the way back in Esther chapter 2, saves the king's life. So if you remember in Esther chapter 2, um, Mordecai hears about this assassination attempt and, and he tells Esther, Esther tells the king, they investigate it and they kill the two guys guys who were wanting to assassinate the king, and it's written down in the historical record that Mordecai saved the king's life. But the problem is, is that Mordecai never got rewarded. 
Mordecai never received anything. He never got a thank you, never got a promotion, never got anything like that. It just kind of slips away. But but the king reads this and he's like, man, what have we done for this guy? And, and the people that are reading him the record say, we haven't done anything. So the king knows that this is a problem. He's supposed to honor him. And so he says, okay, well, well what are we going to do? So he asks, who is in the court? Because what he's asking is basically, which one of my advisors is here so he can let me know um, how we're supposed to treat this guy? How are we supposed to thank him? And the Bible says at just that time, Haman comes walking in. And now think about this. Haman is coming in to, to kill Mordecai, right? He's coming in to ask the king if he can kill Mordecai. But the king asks Haman a question first. He says, what should we, what should we do for the man that the king wants to honor? And what's hilarious is the Bible says that Haman thinks to himself, who would the king want to honor more than me? And so Haman starts saying, king, you should throw this parade. You should do all this stuff. You, you, should, you should celebrate him. Let him wear your clothes. Shout in front of him in the streets. Make a celebration. It's basically this massive parade because Haman thinks the king wants to honor him. And the great ironic verse in this passage is that the king looks at him and he says, do everything that you just suggested. Go and get Mordecai the Jew. Go and get Mordecai, clothe him and parade him through the city. And so what's amazing is Haman plans the parade for his enemies. <laughs> he actually thinks he's preparing the parade for himself, but he really prepares it for his enemy, Mordecai. And so what's incredible is instead of, instead of being hung on this day, Mordecai is paraded through the streets by his enemy. And it's this great role reversal because everything has been going great up until this point for Haman. But Esther chapter 6 is really about as humiliating as it gets. And so we looked in Esther chapter 6 and really we thought there was two takeaways we looked at last night. That there's a takeaway and there's a message to the proud heart and there's a message also to the humble heart. We looked last night at the message to the proud heart. We, we said that if you could take Proverbs 16, where, where Proverbs 16 says that pride comes before the fall and an arrogant spirit comes before destruction. And if you could take that verse, you, you could just put in parentheses beside it, see Haman in Esther chapter 6. Because, man, Haman's ego is so built up. His, um, he's so proud of himself. He's so prideful. And his pride here is about to come before his destruction. And it's a message, it's it's a warning to the proud heart that, that pride in our life, if we're not careful, can seep up in our life so much that it eventually causes us to trip up. And we read all kinds of scripture on this. I think about a passage we read in Proverbs 21 that this said, pride produces sin in our life. And Haman is just such a great example of how pride in your life can set you up for disaster and set you up for fall. And so we looked at the warning that's given to the pride, to the proud heart, but we also looked, secondly, at the encouragement that's given to the humble heart. Just as you could take Proverbs 16, 18 and put in parentheses and say, um, go to Esther chapter 6 and see Haman, you could also go to 1 Peter 5, 6, where 1 Peter 5, 6 says this. It says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and at the proper time, he will exalt you. You could put parentheses right there and say, go to Esther chapter 6 and see Mordecai. Because Mordecai, he did an awesome thing in Esther chapter 2. I mean, he saved the king's life all the way back in Esther chapter 2, and he never gets rewarded for it at all. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I do something good, I want to be rewarded then, right? But, but Mordecai never raises an eyebrow. He never raises a fuss about it. He never is like constantly barging Esther and saying, hey, remind the king of when I saved him. I still haven't gotten paid for that yet. He doesn't do any of that. 
He simply waits on the Lord. And instead of exalting Mordecai in Esther chapter 2, the Lord exalts Mordecai in Esther chapter 6. And man, because he makes Mordecai wait, the exaltation in chapter 6 is so much greater than than what it would have been in Esther chapter 2. And so really the message and the challenge we took away from last night is this idea that a proud person seeks to exalt themselves, but a humble person serves the Lord and just waits on the Lord to exalt him. So a proud person, they seek to exalt themselves and they're, they're, they're planning their own parades and they're doing all they can to exalt themselves. But a humble person says, man, I'm just going to serve. I'm just going to be a blessing to people. I'm going to do what the Lord's called me to do and I'm going to leave the exalting up to him. And so the question is, which one are you, right? Are we, are you trying to exalt yourself? Are you trying to, to get the followers, to get the likes, to get the friends? I mean, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to exalt yourself or are you saying, Lord, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to walk as best with you can, but I'm going to humble myself under your mighty hand and trust you that at the proper time you will exalt me. And you know, we ended last night with an example of this that's, that's just a great example. We, we said Mordecai is a good example, but he's not the best example. We, we talked about how Joseph had to be humbled and Joseph humbled himself in his life, but Joseph's a good example. He's not the best example. We talked about Nebuchadnezzar in, in, in Daniel chapter four, where God humbles Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he's a good example, but he's not the best example. Jesus is the best example. But because if you flip over to Philippians two, Paul says, make your attitudes the same as Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he took on the very nature of a servant. And I love what it says. It says that Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross, that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. And then the Bible says, for this reason, because Jesus humbled himself to death on the cross, it says, for this reason, God highly exalted him. That Jesus humbled himself before the will of the Father. That Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father. And because Jesus humbled himself, the Father exalted him. And he exalted him in the proper time, which was three days later when Jesus came walking out of that tomb. And so I would tell you today to follow Mordecai. He's a good example. He's not the best one. Man, follow Jesus. Are you having a proud heart where you're seeking to promote yourself? Or are you being humble and waiting on the Lord? That's really the question we have to ask ourselves um, on a daily basis because, man, pride can seep up so fast in our life. And so I just encourage you as you're listening to this, remind yourself of the gospel. When you wake up tomorrow, remind yourself of the gospel that you and I were dead in our sins and we've been made alive with Christ. Because, man, nothing humbles us better than the gospel when we realize that we are nothing without Christ in us. And um, so I pray as an encouragement to you today. I pray that you would read Esther 6 if you weren't there last night. And if you were there last night, go ahead and read it again. Um, And also read Esther chapter 7 as we get ready for next week and we continue to walk through this book together. It's been so cool, and I hope you've been enjoying getting in God's Word. Thanks so much for listening. The Point is a ministry of First Baptist Church Indian Trail for high school students. We offer life groups every Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. And we meet on Wednesday nights at 6.15. For more information, you can go to our church's website at fbcit.org.